Dean Benson here, and welcome to another edition of the Wild Child Podcast. Our current environmental issues are a hot topic of discussion. They're highly politicized and highly controversial. We watch a lot of documentaries, we read articles, we have discussions with neighbors and friends, but sometimes this divisive and contradictory information can be overwhelming. On the one hand, we have this narrative that the world is crashing and burning, and it's all because of global warming, and that humans are the cause of all of the destructive greenhouse gas emissions. Well, on the other hand, we have this other narrative that generally speaking, uh, we're doing okay. That there's no need to panic, and that we're using our resources responsibly, we're making progression in, in terms of cleaning up the environment, cleaning up the air and the water, and that we don't need to resort to any drastic measures to quote unquote, save the earth. There's really an endless list of the controversy surrounding these environmental issues. But instead of delving into that list even further today, we're going to be focusing today's podcast on a practical way that you can start improving the environment today, and that is source reduction. I'm aware that many of you listening to this podcast have varying levels of understanding of these environmental issues. Because of this understanding, I will make sure to explain myself thoroughly, and if I use any advanced terminology, I'll make sure to provide the definition and ensure that you understand exactly what I'm talking about. Before we take the full dive into this topic, I just wanted to provide a little context and history of my own personal journey and how I became passionate about these issues. So a few years ago, I started watching a ton of documentaries on Netflix. I'm, I've always been kind of a documentary guy, but I usually resort to planet Earth and you know, solely nature-based documentaries. But it kind of got to the point where I was getting a little bored of the same old documentaries, so I wanted to switch things up. Given the wide selection of documentaries on Netflix, I found a lot of environmental-based documentaries, and I just started watching them left and right. I'm not really a huge fan of the term woke. I think oftentimes it's used in a condescending manner. But as a result of watching these documentaries, I definitely felt like I was better informed. And just to be clear, I am in no way claiming that people that watch documentaries are environmental experts. However, having said that, I do believe that documentaries are a powerful resource for educating people about these current environmental issues. For me personally, it was a watershed moment in my environmental awareness journey. I remember feeling a deep sense of concern it was so profound that I felt the need to make some personal changes, that there were things about my lifestyle and habits that weren't necessarily good for the earth. And as a result of this heightened awareness and this deep sense of concern, I decided to do something about it. At the time, I wasn't enrolled in any college courses. I hadn't declared a major, and so I had a little bit of flexibility with the general courses that I could take. So. I decided to take an environmental management class. I was actually really surprised because going into the class, I had all this motivation, all this energy and charisma, like, dude, I am going to freaking save the planet. But unfortunately, it didn't take long for me to realize how complicated these issues were. I think it's human nature to oversimplify complex problems. I definitely fell prey to this mode of thinking and quickly realized that the answers weren't so clear. An analogy that often comes to mind when explaining this phenomena is um, thinking about a computer and all of its components. When you're using a computer and you understand how to utilize its functions, it doesn't seem all that complicated. If you know even just a smidge about computer hardware, it is exceptionally overwhelming to start thinking about the various components of a computer on a microscopic level. 
the level of complexity is infinitely deep. Considering that all of the various components found in computer hardware are extracted and derived from the Earth, and also considering that the Earth can also be described more or less as a machine, it requires specific components to function properly. The mechanisms behind these components are extremely complex. Just because you know what a computer looks like and how it can be utilized doesn't mean that you understand the mechanisms that make a computer work. Likewise, with many of the current environmental issues that we face today, a lot of people have a basic awareness of what they are, and perhaps they have some simple solutions to address those issues, but they don't really understand the mechanisms behind how the Earth works. An example of one of these oversimplified solutions that I hear about all the time is recycling. How many times have you been encouraged throughout your life to recycle? Most people nowadays, luckily in the United States, have a recycling bin. It's easier now than it ever has been to recycle. After you're done chugging down that orange juice in that plastic Dixie cup, just simply toss it into the recycling bin and you're good to go. You did your part. And after doing your part, you feel good about yourself. You're going green, you're saving the planet one Dixie cup at a time, and that plastic that you just recycled will be used in the making of a brand new beer pong cup. Congratulations, you just earned 20 woke points. You are now more woke than the majority of your friends. Yay, I love virtue signaling and being self-righteous. Jokes aside, there are a lot of complicated issues surrounding recycling. First of all, this notion that everything that you put in the recycling bin gets recycled is garbage. Literally, no pun intended. Unfortunately, recycling effectiveness and efficiency largely depends on funding from state and federal governments. For example, in Utah, cardboard recycling is very inefficient. Oftentimes, there isn't enough funding to actually recycle the cardboard that you put in the recycling bin. More often than not, it ends up in a landfill. Ah, so much for all those woke points you just earned. Obviously, this is case by case. I'm not attempting to make a blanket statement. These issues are very nuanced, and the handling of the recycling process differs from state to state and region to region. But it's impossible to deny that there are many flaws and weaknesses associated with our current methods of recycling. I'm not trying to be Johnny Raincloud, even if the number of rainclouds are increasing thanks to global warming. I'm trying to point out that we need to think outside of the recyclable cardboard box that we've enclosed ourselves in. At the beginning of this podcast, I promised that we present practical solutions that we can implement into our daily lives. I also mentioned that we talk about source reduction. There's an environmental term that's often used when it comes to cleaning up the environment. You've probably heard it before, but it's reduce, reuse, and recycle. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Not surprisingly, source reduction relates to the first part of that saying, reduce. Also notice the perspective order of the terms in this saying. Reduce comes first, reuse comes second, and recycle comes third. This represents the hierarchy of importance when it comes to going green. So what exactly is source reduction? In order to explain this, I'd like to share an example with you. It's not uncommon to see families purchase a big old case of plastic water bottles. You don't even necessarily think twice about it. It's more convenient. The water's already filtered and purified. It's conveniently contained in the plastic water bottles. It's easy to transport. It's just a good option. But rarely do we think about the implications of purchasing that big case of water bottles. I can't tell you how many times I've seen someone take a little sip of those plastic water bottles, put the lid back on, set it down on the table, and then walk away. And then what happens? Well, two weeks later, no one knows whose water bottle it is. 
And then what happens? It ends up getting thrown in the trash or recycling bin. Not only is it a waste of water, but it's an incredibly huge waste of plastic. And then just imagine if many people did that and how many people did that in a single day, I'm sure it would be an outrageous number. I think it's important to reflect on the real utility and use of plastic water bottles. I'm not suggesting that they don't have their use. And I'm not suggesting that we stop using them altogether. But I definitely think it's worth reconsidering how often we use them. When we decide to use less plastic water bottles, that is a perfect example of source reduction. Our economy is based on demand. If the demand for these plastic water bottles goes down, then manufacturers are going to be producing less plastic. If less plastic is being produced, then less waste is also being produced. And if this was implemented on a large scale, then it would be practical to assume that that would decrease the amount of garbage that you would see in your backyards, on your nature walks, in the ocean, lakes and rivers, and all of the places that we consider beautiful on this earth. Obviously, there are layers of complexity to source reduction. We've merely just scratched the surface. But I hope that after listening to this podcast, you start to take action in finding ways that you can practice source reduction. Okay, that does it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you have any questions or you want to delve deeper into this topic, please visit our website at wildchild.com slash source reduction.